direct from Fort Meade, Maryland, this is Dinfos Live. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Dinfos Live. I'm your host, Major David J. Murphy, an instructor here at the Defense Information School. On this month's episode, we'll be speaking to Andrew Smith and Chief Mass Communication Specialist Patrick Greco, Visual Information Management Instructors, to talk to us about public affairs and visual information office management techniques. But before we bring them out, I want to take a moment to tell you about some very big news. Starting on May 1st, Dinfos will be premiering a brand new podcast called The Dinfos Way. To tell us more about this project, I'd like to welcome on the host of the show, Dinfos instructor, U.S. Army Staff Sergeant Chris Diamond. Welcome to the program. How's it going, sir? Have a seat, Staff Sergeant. Thank you. Uh, now, before we get into this new podcast, I want to let everybody know that we have a brand new social media manager joining us for this month's episode, U.S. Marine Corps Sergeant Solene Skripsack. Sergeant Skripsack, how are you doing? Good, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty great. I hear you just finished a really cool project. Can you tell us about it? Yes, I did, sir. We went into San Antonio, Texas, and we filmed the 2023 Team Sports Camp for the Wounded Warrior Regiment. We just documented it with video and photo the athletes over there. Wow, that's pretty cool. When can people see this project? So we have photos already posted on the Wounded Warrior Regiment Unit Divids page, and then we'll have a video coming out later this week, sir. Nice. Sounds cool. We'll definitely make sure to check that out. Thank you. Well, if you have any questions for any of our guests, don't hesitate to leave them down in the comments below, and we might just read them on the air. One more thing, we should obviously acknowledge that we're not in uniform today. We're just a little bit more casually, but that's for a reason. We're wearing denim as part of National Denim Day, which is all about spreading awareness about sexual violence issues, supporting survivors, and educating ourselves and others. I'm glad that we can bring attention to this very important issue. Okay, now let's bring attention to your podcast. Can you tell us first, though, a little about yourself, Sergeant Diamond, and your background in history with public affairs? Absolutely. Um, I've been in the military roughly 15 years or so. First four years in the Air Force, so mm -hmm. got that thing. There you go. Um, originally, I was an Intel guy. Then I eventually got into broadcasting and went to AFN, was a radio DJ, came to Denfos, and became a broadcast journalism instructor, and that's how I found the podcasting. Nice, nice. So tell us, what is the Denfos Way podcast, and how does it differ from this show, like Denfos Live? So the Denfos Way, I mean, being revealed May 1st, um, is a podcast that's interview-based. So it's audio only, but we're looking to get Denfos graduates, alumni, faculty, staff, whoever it may be, and kind of get everyone's story. Everyone has an experience that they want to talk about, what makes them different, and maybe even grab that passion they have and bring that forth to everybody. We want to get industry experts, bring them in and talk to them too, but the point of the entire episode is to educate and move forward and make ourselves better as we go. Absolutely. Now, the Dinfos Way is a pretty interesting name. Uh, kind of where, where did it come from and, and what does it mean? I don't honestly know where it comes from, but I've always heard it throughout my career. I've heard, oh, do the Dinfos Way or don't do the Dinfos Way. There's always been a mixed reaction on it, but everyone has a different meaning for the Dinfos Way. So I've always been curious on what everyone's meaning of the Dinfos Way is, and that's kind of a pinnacle aspect of each episode, is what does the Dinfos Way mean to you? And we find out from each person what it means and how it varies from person to person. And hopefully, I mean, we can all agree on something eventually with what the Dinfos Way is. Absolutely. Now, what kind of guests or topics should listeners expect from the show? Uh, we have a, a really diverse background in our career field, and we have a diverse group of people that we bring on. So one of our first episodes is a podcast on podcasting. So if you're looking to do a podcast for your unit or whatever it may be, that's a great episode to listen to. The episode after that, we're talking about the future of social media and some of the things dealing with like ethics and AI and some of the things that to look forward to in the future. And one of the 
Episodes following that is officer mentorship. What, as a PA officer, uh, you should know, um, and that's the one you were actually on, sir. Yeah, no, it was absolutely awesome to be part of the program and to be a guest on your show. Uh, so thanks for doing the favor and coming back on here. Uh, now, you're dropping three episodes all at once, right, for the first debut of the show on May 1st. But how often can new episodes, will new episodes come out? Can people look forward to that? So, yes, uh, three episodes May 1st, then expect on June 15th. That's payday the Denfos way. That's how you can remind yourself is when the next episode will drop. Okay, great. Uh, we actually have a question from social media. So what, okay. what's that question? Sorry, sir. Good afternoon, sir. So the question is, uh, what... Is there any way that people can suggest topics for the Denfos way? Absolutely. By all means, reach, us, reach out to us on our social media platforms. Um, any Denfos platform, reach out to us there. And maybe even become a guest. It's all possible. You can suggest topics, suggest yourself to be a guest. And, hey, we're looking for any kind of feedback possible going forward. This isn't just my product. This is the Denfos product. Yeah. We want to know how to grow and how to be better. That's great. Uh, how can people find this podcast if they actually want to listen to it? So over the next couple of days, over all the Denfo social media platforms, there'll be different posts popping up telling about the future of it. But as of Monday, it will be posted to Divids, and you'll be able to search the Denfos way and on any podcatcher you want, actually. So it should post from Divids to any podcatcher. Wow. You have access to it. So just the Denfos way. That's all you got to type. So just go to the Denfos official Facebook page or YouTube page or any of the other social media platforms. You should be able to find links to it. Absolutely. That's great. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I would just like to thank, it's not just me doing the show, it's I have a big group of people at Denfos and DMA helping out with this. So it's beyond beneficial, and for me, I have to give them all the credit in the world. It's not just me. Uh, Denfos Pavilion was a big part of building this podcast also, so i got to give credit there. And uh, thank you, sir, for having me on today. Well, thanks for your time, Staff Siren Time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And remember, search the Denfos way on your podcatcher of choice if you'd like to listen to the program. Now, I'd like to welcome on two instructors from the Visual Information Management course, Mr. Smith and Chief Greco. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to see you, Mr. Murphy. Good to see Thank you, again, Andy. Good Have to a seat. See Thank you. Now, gentlemen, before we get into talking about our main topic today, of course, PA and VI office management, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves to our audience, tell them about yourselves and your PA career. Certainly. I started my career uh, 18 years ago this May. When I first joined the Navy, I was a journalist before we had merged uh, our MOS rates career field into what's called mass communication specialist. My career has been mainly on uh, ships, aircraft carriers, shipyards. I did one stint at US European Command and another in the Pentagon under DISA. And then in June of 2021, I came here to Denfos where I taught the public affairs, communication and strategy course until April of 2022 when I came over to join uh, Andy here in the visual information management course and been Loving it ever since. Nice. Yeah, so um, I retired out of the Army back in 2017 uh, before the Army merged their PA and VI communities. So okay. I'm, I was brought up in the visual information community, um, and I did a couple of tours in combat camera over the years, as well as a couple of tours as an instructor at Demphos. I have passion for the craft, and as a VIM instructor, um, I'm able to kind of help folks do better on the same things that I struggled with, right? So, um, you know, after those years in uniform and I've been contracting as an instructor at Demphos, primarily connected to the VIM course, and I really enjoy what I do and have the ability to help folks do better. That's great. That's great. 
So what is PA and VI office management and how is it taught in the VIM course? Well, the way we like to look at it is the VIM diagram, like a Venn diagram, the VIM mm -hmm. diagram. VIM is that bridge. So on the one side of the schoolhouse through the Mass Communication uh, Foundations course, MCF, right? We have our tacticians. Those are the content creators. On the other side with the public affairs course, ComStrat PA, we have our strategists, right? So what brings them together to running a shop efficiently, using the resources, doing more with same, and in some cases doing more with less these days, to work better, work more efficiently. Vim is that bridge, and it links the two together to work better in the long run. That's great, that's great. Now I heard you want to talk about SOPs, so can you kind of tell me what they are and why they're so important in your field? Standard operating procedures, in a nutshell, what it does is it takes that higher level policy, higher level guidance, be it you know service, organization, um, DOD, and we create standards across the board for our shops. So we're all operating in line with the policies, in line with the guidance, and it, it creates that foundation, that base work, just as well, any course in Dimfos gives you, right? The foundations to how to do the job so we're all on the same sheet of music. That's great. I hear I actually have a question from social media. Sarn Skripsak? Social media is wondering, what is a good component of an SOP? Uh, I would say probably one of the most important components is the language of it. Clear, concise, well understood. So if I'm going to write a manual, for example, on maintenance for a car, Jeep, what have you, I could type it out and say, you know, to prevent combustions of an engine causing a fire-like situation which may burn the occupant, deactivate vehicle by pulling back the key towards you. Okay, that's a lot of words for the reader to just say, turn off the engine before conducting the maintenance to prevent a fire. Right. Clear, concise language that people can understand. That's probably the most important component of the SOP. Absolutely. Now, when you're actually putting the SOP together, what are the steps that are involved and what are some considerations when you know, planning or authoring the actual document? So from the jump, uh, there's a three-step process. The first step in the process is defining that end state, that objective. What is the purpose of this SOP? Why are you creating it? What are we trying to standardize? The process can be equipment checkout. It can be um, lighting the interview. Whatever you're trying to achieve, right, that end state. And then the second step in the process is, this is where we do that RPI method of research, right, and planning. What is the optimal way to do this process? The best way, the best practice, if you will, mm -hmm. right? This is where your senior NCOs, your SME, subject matter experts, the policies come into play, and experience too. If you've been around the block you know, long enough, you've probably done this process a couple different ways, and you know what works and what doesn't work within your shop and outside of your shop, right? And then the third step in the process is where that clear, concise language comes in, formatting it, typing it out, writing it, making it well understood. But at the same time, when creating SOPs, try not to make an SOP that relies on an outside agency or an outside organization because we want these to be internal to us. If I'm a West Coast unit and I'm making an SOP for myself, it wouldn't do me a whole lot of good to make part of the process contacting a unit down in Jacksonville, Florida on the other side of the country in order to do the process, right? Two different time zones, two different organizations. The SOP should be for you and for you alone. Absolutely. 
Have you ever experienced any really well-written SOPs in your career? And do you, do you remember what those were or what they related to? Um, I can't pick one out in particular SOP, but one method of uh, SOP creation that I do remember was people learn in different ways, right? Um, either through hearing, right? Audio, auditory, visual, or kinesthetic. And I remember visuals and screenshots being incorporated into the SOP. Um, mm. It was borrowed off of the Divid's website to create an SOP for accessioning VI. And I remember um, myself and others using it and finding, seeing the screenshots of knowing exactly where to click, exactly where things should be inputted, exactly how it should be done, helpful for the visual learner. So I would say that we're talking a lot about writing SOPs, typing SOPs, but I don't want people to get hung up on it has to be a big Word document with no pictures. Screenshots, as I've noticed in my experience, if you can incorporate them somehow, they're always useful for the visual learner. Absolutely. And on that same note, could SOPs be in video format as well? They could. They could. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, we see it in today's day and age, be it through social media, um, in our own classrooms, right? Recording virtual, right? Recording yourself doing the thing like changing a tire. There's people that have uh, YouTube channels out there now of how to change their oil. And I've actually known one person in my career that learned how to remodel his house by watching video SOPs of someone doing the same steps themselves. So as long as the process is the same and the thought process is there, the RPI, the creation of it, the tactic you use for the learner, it's kind of what's tailored and what's efficient to meet your end state. Yeah, absolutely. How can SOP principles be applied to other aspects of office management? Well, for one is standardization. Um, standardization of what you do. So how you lead, how you conduct your business, you standardize across the board, right? And as senior NCOs, we enforce the standards. But I talked earlier about clear, concise communication, right? Clear, concise language. So you're the senior NCO, you're the Comstrat officer, you're the public affairs officer. Give take who you are, right? You're the leader. You know the end state because you're familiar with it, right? You know the commander's intent. You get it. You've researched it. You're well-versed. Now you need to communicate that daily to your troops to meet the task. So understanding how to do that clearly, concisely, and in an optim optimal, efficient way, all part of the SOP process that you're applying and giving directions to your team. Is there any chance that an SOP could potentially specific or prescriptive and potentially hinder the, the service member's ability to flex it all? Uh, I mean, if the SOP is outdated, for one, and this is why it's important, as I've noticed in my experience, to have a date on the SOP so you could understand this thing's about 25 years old, processes had to have updated, right? That could hinder it because we're using an outdated SOP. Maybe the policies have changed, right? Maybe the organization has changed its you know, guidance on how to do the thing. Maybe there's new technologies, right? Always be looking at and running that RPI process. Make it an annual thing if you want. Is this SOP outdated? Is there a better, more optimal way to do this process? Because, I mean, great, you made an SOP, right? It's fantastic, it's working, it's standardizing the process. But year, 15, 20 years from now, if that's no longer the optimal process, why, why are you still doing it? Absolutely. Definitely need to make sure you're keeping your SOPs updated. That could be a good idea for an SOP, an update SOP, SOP. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about training plans. I know that's a big part of VIM as well. Uh, what are they and, and what do they mean to do for an organization? So I'll talk about training plans. And 
The way that we talk about it in VIM is developing a training plan that's designed to increase proficiency among your personnel within a given time period. So you look at a year and you look at saying what do we uh, want to uh, accomplish with the training time and resources that we have available to us with this time period. So I know exactly what it feels like to be in an organization where maybe we didn't take time to build a smart training plan. So we might be busy, but whether or not we're productive in terms of reaching that goal is debatable. So train, developing a, an effective training plan uh, is important because what we do is a perishable skill. And if we don't train to the standard on our essential tasks, then of course we're going to suffer in our ability to support the mission. Absolutely. I know we had some questions before the show started. Sergeant Scriptback, can you tell us what that question is? Uh, what do I need to know before I attempt to build a training plan? So what you need to know before you try to build a training plan is what are the requirements? What is it that we need to train to? And requirements um, come from a variety of sources. Simply, I like to say that they come from your organization. Um, what's unique about where you're assigned currently, right? Where you might find yourself doing more graphic work or more advanced video editing techniques due to the nature of the mission you're there to support. So the organization is going to present requirements for you uh, as well as upcoming missions, you know. Um, what is it about this upcoming TDY or mission that we're going to be required to do? And is it different from what we need to do day to day at the organizational level? So. Um, as well as the service of the person, right? If you're a service member, then your service might have um, requirements for you to maintain proficiency on certain tasks. So step one, identify requirements before you start developing a training plan, right? Obviously, now that you know what the requirements are, and you're gonna have to probably unpack that a little bit to say, hey, you know, we're, we're going TDY to support this upcoming mission at this location with these people. And you're going to have to infer, you know, based on previous years, if it's a routine exercise, what did they do last year? How are we going to exceed that expectations? What are the products that we're going to be required to create? What are the skills that we need to have to create those products? So kind of unpacking that to identify ultimately a list of tasks to say, these are the things that we need to be proficient on. Call that the requirements. We need to be able to do, for example, advanced, edi advanced um, video editing techniques because that's um, something we're going to have to provide for the upcoming mission. And then you identify the requirements and then you look to determine your capability to support those requirements. Um, and, and we talk about how to do an audit for your shop to determine your capability to support the requirements. Um, and there's tools available for us to determine that. You can implement a, um, a self-assessment right? Have your folks fill that out, get to know a little bit more about their capabilities, but you need to kind of validate those claims. So that coupled with a portfolio review, right? Can you do what you say you can do? Um, and then other methods that you can use to determine individuals' capability to meet the requirements. And when you finish that auditing process, you should have a pretty good perspective on what areas are we suffering, and that's where we can focus our, uh, our training solutions on. Okay, great. So we'll let the audience know we're having some minor microphone issues on my mic, so if you hear any static or whatnot, that's why. Uh, now, I wanted to ask you, you've, you've done all this auditing, you've done all this research, you've fully investigated in, in your, your organization. Now what? what? What do you do with that information? How do you actually utilize it? Well, I think, you know, um, at this point, you have an awareness of what the requirements are that you need to meet. 
you have an awareness of your ability to meet those requirements. Um, and, if you, and it's very likely that you're deficient in some areas. And so you're going to take that information and seek uh, relevant training solutions. So if you didn't take the time to do the audit and you just assumed that, hey, we need this type of training and you provided that training solution without knowing whether or not we're proficient, um, you could see how that could be a waste of time and resources. Sure. Um, however, it's not <laughs> uncommon to experience that, right? So want to emphasize the importance of doing the research, developing a plan, that, uh, that has kind of smart objectives in mind, right? You know, what is it exactly that you expect to achieve with this plan? Um, and now that you know better because you've conducted an audit, you're able to identify training solutions that are supposed to hit the target and accomplish, you know, increasing proficiency among your personnel. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you mentioned training solutions. So, you know, what are some things we should consider when actually choosing training solutions for our office? I'll talk internal if you want to talk the other piece. Sure. Uh, I mean, I like to remind folks about, uh, you know, uh, what does DINFOS have to offer the community when it comes to training um, resources? And DINFOS has a mobile training team program that with prior communication and coordination with the program manager, it's possible to receive some training from DINFOS at home station, right? Um, uh, as well as virtual training opportunities. Um, instructors are able to provide information to folks in the fleet in the field, you know, virtually at no cost to the requester sometimes. Um, in addition to the mobile training team program, I think DINFOS Pavilion is a resource that's huge. It's absolutely something that I wish I had when I was in uniform. You know, that community toolbox of templates and how-tos and just easy reference guides. I mean, it's a goldmine of information that uh, finally came to fruition, so I encourage folks to look at Pavilion, uh, especially when they're looking at de delivering kind of local level hip pocket training classes. The resources on Pavilion are really conducive to that, you know. Um, and uh, come on back for, you know, a course at Dimphos. Um And that's some internal uh, or within our community resources, and, sure. and Chief Greco has some good stuff to talk about. Right. So externally, outside of organization, I like to say that if you're doing the right research, the right searching for training solutions, you should not have a problem finding something that works for you. Yeah. In partnership with industry, be it through uh, you know Adobe workshops, uh, there's individuals, uh, Air Force, Navy, that work with you know civilian companies on the outside to get that PA, VI training. Even something as simple in the fleet, we do uh, PA, MC symposiums every year. It is a symposium, right? But it is a training opportunity to go there and learn from subject matter experts on what's changing in policy, what's changing in tactics, what's coming down the pike, what are some new things we need to be aware of. I mean, training opportunities, I like to say, there's no shortage of them out there externally. It just takes the right research from your training manager, your VI manager, training petty officer, to find the solution that's effective and cost efficient as well at the same time for you. Absolutely. Uh, here we have another question from social media. Next question is, what are the short-term benefits to these training solutions? Okay. Short-term benefits. Um, well, I think that, you know, taking a crawl, walk, run approach to build capability in, in your personnel. Um, oftentimes it's encouraging to see, you know, simple signs of success, short-term benefits. Um, I think that when you kind of focus your efforts on training and, and, 
and knowing better and doing better, it doesn't take much to realize like this is a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. So the short-term benefits are there. Ideally, you know, we talk about a long-term objective, your smart objective. After one year, what is it do you expect to achieve? Right. But what can you talk about in the meantime? And I think that it's just, um, you know, sharing a plan, communicating this plan and saying, hey, look, here's what we're going to invest our time and efforts into. And sharing that vision, I think you can generate, you know, some buy-in among the folks in your shop. They can get excited because they see the coherency of your plan. Like, this makes sense. Let's get started. Um, that's what I would say about that. Um, if I could, mm -hmm. I would say a short-term benefit on that. Training is valuable across the board, whoever you are. Education and training, there's always some kind of benefit to you. Benefits you personally, you grow, you learn. But quality, the quality of the work, quality of the product coming out of your shop can only get better with training. It's when we get stagnant and we stop training and we stop improving our skill sets, that's when we start to suffer. You know, what I've seen is there's that immediate shift in mindset right after some new training is introduced and you've got this spark now mm -hmm. in your members who want to act on this training. They want to do that new thing they were just taught. And that's the short-term benefit, that immediate excitement about some new technique or tactic, right? The, the key, though, is making sure it's part of the long-term program and it's actually integrated into what you're doing, right? It's great to have some new fun thing or tool to work with, but are you actually utilizing it? Are you actually taking advantage of that training and that tool, whatever it might be? So, uh, I hear we have another question that we got beforehand, before the show started. Yes, that question is, how do you ensure that your training plan is effective? So I think it's one of the most vital aspects of developing a training plan is how do you know if and when you've achieved your objective? Um, how do you get a return on your investment, so to speak? And it's just that, you know, um, it's, it, it is the RPI process of building a training plan. You know, you're going to start by doing your research to figure out what you need to do. That's where you're going to do the audit, determine your capability versus your requirements. Um, I think that if you don't take time to identify assessment techniques that you're going to suffer, it's important that you identify roles and responsibilities and communicate that to the people in your shop so they know what their piece of the pie is. Um, when you talk about assessing individuals, there's common tactics that we can use, um, but it gets a little more tricky when you talk about validating a shop collectively. Right. Um, it's a little more difficult to do, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take time to identify some assessment techniques for your individuals as well as the collective of the shop. Um, that's the best way that you can know that your training plan is effective if you've identified the techniques you're going to use to assess the training. Yeah, if I could exactly on that is if you're the senior NCO that's creating the training plan or you're the training manager, you'll know, like I said before, through the quality of the product, right? The quality of the work you review. If you're doing a training plan and you know that a heavy part of your training plan was lighting an interview, if you will, right, for Dimpos Live video, right? There you go. We've got a plug. <laughs> you're the person reviewing it every year. You're the one seeing these products. You're going to see that improvement. If you start to not see it, that's when you need to reevaluate your plan, how effective it is. Dimfos instructors give an exam. If every student seems to do poor on the exam every single time, that's when you have to self-reflect and say, am I not training correctly? Am I not instructing correctly? Maybe it's not the students. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sergeant Scripsack? We actually have two other questions from social media. The first one is, is there a distance learning option or is it only the in-person course? It is currently only in person. Um, 
we'll see what the future holds for us. But as of right now, uh, VIM is currently held in person and it is a 17-day course. And then the other question that I have also is the mobile training team, is it funded or unit funded or DINFOS funded? MTTs are unit funded, you know, um, but I think it's a reasonable price. I can't speak to the specifics of it, but you know, it's pretty typical. There's no extra bells and whistles here. So I do think you get a good bang for your buck if your command is willing to pay uh, to have a couple of DINFOS instructors. Typically that's the package, you know, come to your location for a period of time. Um, so yeah, that is the catch for the folks in the community is that the MTT program, you know, your command has to foot that bill. I will say though, uh, what I think I know is that it's possible to get a no cost MTT through DIMFOS with the virtual option. Right. If you can coordinate yeah. that, then you can receive a virtual MTT at no cost. Or even to cut down on some cost, you could, if your intent was to have like five days, you know, somebody come to your home station for five days, maybe you could save some cost by you know, paying for two days of resident, right, and, having t uh, and then the other three days could be made virtual or some kind of version of that, so. Yeah, I know there's lots of options out there. We'll put a link to the MTT office so you can actually uh, ping them directly on the options that are available to a potential uh, prospective student. But I will say, obviously, that sending a instructor out to your location to teach a, a subject is going to be far less expensive than it is to send a group of people to the Defense Information School in Fort Meade and, and have them stay here uh, to do a course. But again, there's different uh, benefits uh, to both types of programs, but it's just great that we offer that program to anyone who might be interested in utilizing it. Awesome, guys. Well, uh, is there anything about the VIM program that you want to highlight that is especially important that uh, PA and VI managers should know about it? I do, and it's in line of the uh, questions we got online. So for those that are thirsty for the knowledge, hungry for the knowledge, uh, VIM, our students maintain a robust alumni network. So we challenge them as they graduate as well. You have the best practices. You have the knowledge. It's their responsibility, and they're doing it, to go out there and share these best practices, share this knowledge with others. What VIM is what we like to call the cheese pizza mindset, right? The cheese pizza is that bare foundation standard best practices. I'm not going to, I can't spend 17 days, much as I'd like to, telling each of the services how to do VI management for their service. So we give them the cheese pizza so that when they leave, the student leaves, they go to the organization, they go to their unit, they put the toppings on that work for them. Pepperoni, sausage, pineapple and ham, whatever it's going to be, right? It's their responsibility to share the knowledge and through an online group we have, called the VIM Alumni Network, they share it amongst each other. So someone makes a really good training plan, if you will, can post it up there. Hey, I just made this for my unit. Guys, look it over. If anyone's in need of a really robust training plan for this subject, it's working well. Feel free to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. We have something like that in the Air Force, a community of practice where we share those type of products. So that's great. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye to you? I just wanted to add, you know, um, if folks are interested in what we're talking about today and want to know more about either what we have been talking about or what else gets talked about in the VIM course, um, I would encourage you to go to Pavilion website and look up the role of the VI manager. And really, it's just a manager in our community. So don't let the VI title, you know, kind of turn you off if that, you know. Um, but looking at the types of resource management that we talk about in VIM that you're likely to you know, encounter 
as you serve in positions of responsibility, um, it kind of hits that sweet spot, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, get on Pavilion, look at the roles of the VI manager, start there, be, gain an awareness of what other kind of aspects of office management and planning that we talk about. And it's easy to go down some rabbit holes on Pavilion from there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great. Well, thanks so much, gentlemen, for your time. That concludes our show for this month. Of course, I want to thank all our guests for taking time to be here today. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. Look for the links we discussed in today's show notes. Now remember, if you prefer to listen to our show rather than watch it, you can actually download it as a podcast. Just search Dinfos Live in your podcatcher of choice. And while you're there, search for the Dinfos way too so you can subscribe to that program as well. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Next month, we'll have instructors from our intermediate photojournalism course talking all about different types of photojournalism techniques that you can employ in your unit. So tune in May 31st at 1400 Eastern Time for that episode. All right. Well, see you next month, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>